The readings 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 1 to 10 could be found on page 1161, that's 1161 of the Red Bibles in front of you. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5 starting at verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore we are always confident, and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Hey, thank you, Sophie, very much indeed for reading that. And it's great to have you here at Trinity. My name's Jeremy. I missed a bit of a groan earlier on when we mentioned Christmas. Yeah, I noticed there was one person wearing a Christmas jumper here to Christopher. Well done today. Still, I just want to reassure you, it's still 48 shopping days until Christmas. So if you're, if you're looking for something to buy me, there's still plenty of time to go. Good. Well, we're coming back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's on page 1161 if you're looking to follow that along in the Bibles in church. 2 Corinthians, the gospel according to weakness, that's what we're calling it, the, the letter about suffering, the book that reminds us that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. What a fantastic reassurance. We're going to, um, we're going to pray just before we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 10, that extract that Sophie just read for us. So why don't we pray as we begin. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that yeah, you haven't left us in the dark. We don't have to play these guessing games about, about what you're like. We don't have to speculate because, because you've opened the conversation with us and we know what you are like. You've, you've spoken in the past and, and you speak today. And, and we know the Bible is your self-explanation, your self-revelation. Uh, it's your own explanation of, of who you are. And, and so I pray, Father God, um, this afternoon, just where we are, in all of our weakness and, and all of our struggles, that we not only come close to you, but that we would allow you to come close to us and, and explain who you are. And so we would find your power made perfect in our weakness, even this afternoon. Please, Father, help us understand you better and speak to us. And we ask you these things in your name. Amen. Well, in, in almost anything that you and I are going to be involved in over the course of the next week, then confidence is going to be a massive help, isn't it? Confidence is just going to be a massive help. Maybe you're a, maybe you're a teacher and you're just going to walk into a classroom and all those sort of eyes of your students are going to look up at you and you're going to need confidence to, to make it through 
blessing. Maybe you're, maybe you're a, a carer and, and you need, your, need the person you're caring for uh, to put their confidence in you. And so as you walk into the room, you want to sort of exude an air of, uh, of um, sort of confidence, of competence, uh, that you know what you're doing, that you can be trusted. If you're walking into an office or if you're walking into a party, confidence is a massive help. And it seems like the more confident we are, the further we're going to get and, and the more we're going to enjoy those kind of things that we're involved in. Uh, so no wonder that the, the internet is full of memes about confidence. They're, they're all, all over the place. Um, you, you, you see a couple of them up on the screen. Life hack, this is one of them. Confidence is like, show up every moment like you're meant to be there. Okay, you probably come across loads of these. Or um, the second one, confidence is the most beautiful thing you can possess. The problem is, however confident we might start out, there are plenty of things that are going to destroy our confidence. That's the problem. Maybe someone in your childhood dealt a, a massive blow to you when you were growing up and you never really got your confidence back. I know people like that. Um, maybe something happens and, and people start laughing at you and you become a bit of a joke and you never really, you never regain your confidence from that point onwards in your job or in some relationship or, or whatever. It knocks your confidence. If, if your health lets you down, if you don't know if you're going to be well at any given moment, then that takes chunks out of your confidence as well, yeah? And you start to realise that the confidence can be a very, very fragile thing, a very superficial thing. Our confidence can be massively destroyed by all kinds of things that happen to us. And so what happens is sometimes you find yourself being overtaken by all these bright young things, all these people who are full of confidence, they all make their way to the front while you're left in the slow lane. And you, I don't know, maybe you're one of those people like me who just wishes they had more confidence because it seems to just be an easy route to the top. Well, if anyone's confidence should have been a little bit shaky, it was probably the Apostle Paul. Um, things weren't going brilliantly for him. Uh, he'd had this on-off relationship with the Corinthian church, seven years, things were getting a bit better at the moment. Um, all kinds of leaders had come into the Corinthian church, they were taking chunks out of his reputation, they were trash-talking him, and they were saying that he was weak, he wasn't a great speaker, he wasn't the sort of shiny, polished, finished article that they felt that they were themselves. And, and during that seven years, Paul has been going around the Mediterranean getting beaten up. And, um, you know, he was the apostle, chapter 1, 2 Corinthians, he was the apostle who, who despaired of life. Who, who just wanted to chuck in the towel. And, and yet, he's already told us in 2 Corinthians, his message is really glorious. Uh, you remember Nathan tearing the holes in the paper bag if you were here with the gold bar inside? You know, the cracks let out the glory. Yeah. He has this, this glorious message. And then he explains what that message is in chapter 3 if you were here for that. And that's, that's really the heart of the whole book. Chapter 3, it says, this message makes you alive, and it puts you right with God, and it gives you sight, and it makes you change. 
And, and so chapter 4, he says it twice, doesn't he? He doesn't lose heart in ministry. He keeps going in ministry, even though it hurts. And then chapter 5, he says he's found a confidence that nobody can knock. Yeah, he says that twice. Have a look, um, chapter 5, verse 6. He says that, therefore, we, by which he really means himself, we are always confident. And then just in case you missed it the first time, it comes back in, in verse 8. We are confident, I say, and we're prepared to be away from and we'll prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. I don't know whether you'd say that you felt that confidence now, could you? Uh, that you felt the confidence of being a Christian. Um, I don't know whether that's something that you experience. I mean, if, if, we, if we're to feel that, we're going to have to look beyond those other sources of confidence. You know, um, confidence in your education. Uh, people say, don't they, that private education gives you a great deal of confidence. Maybe that's true, I don't know. Confidence in your education, your looks, your career, your bank account, whatever it is. You know, We're going to have to let go of those kind of confidence in order to discover this kind of confidence. But the incredible thing about, about this kind of confidence, confidence, Christian confidence, is that it's available to shy people and it's available to people who failed and, and it's available to quiet people and it's available to hurt people. And no one can take it away from you and you can live by it week by week until the reality it's looking forward to is, is completely true. That's not bad, is it? To be able to live like that. Let's see how you do that from 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. <clears throat> Two sections, we're going to take verse, uh, verses 1 to 4 and then verses 5 to 10. Each one finishes with a so that, we're going to come to that, it finishes with a sort of conclusion. Let's start with verses 1 to 4. And we're calling this longing for future life. Longing for future life. Um, I can identify with a story that I heard this week about Albert Einstein. He was a famous physicist, he invented all kinds of things, relativity. Is that, I, I think that's Einstein, isn't it? Apparently he was going on a lecture tour of America and he was on a train and the, uh, the conductor came up to him in the train and he couldn't find his ticket anywhere and he was searching around, he was a bit distressed. And the conductor said to him, um, he said, okay, you're Albert Einstein, you know, I know who you are. Um, don't worry about the ticket. Um, it's just, you know, you said you bought it, that's fine, you know, great to have you on board. Um, and then 20 minutes later, he came back down the train. Albert Einstein was still, like, searching his pockets, he'd emptied his suitcase. He was, he was still trying to find his ticket. And the conductor said, look, seriously, it's a privilege to have you on board. Don't worry about your ticket. You know, I'm not going to arrest you. Um, and uh, Albert Einstein, and you know, the conductor said, you're Albert Einstein, that's great. And, um, and, and Albert Einstein replied, young man, I know who I am, but I've forgotten where I'm going. And <laughs> that's the reason why he was looking for his ticket. Paul doesn't forget for a minute where he's going. He doesn't forget for a minute what his destination is. 
and that's the thing about verses 1 to 4 have a look at, have a look at that he has this amazing sort of focus on his destination I mean first of all he knows that he's um, he's going to his own funeral it's good to be aware of that isn't it chapter 5 verse 1 he says the earthly tent that's how he talks about his own body at, at the moment the earthly tent that he lives in is going to be destroyed his body's dying and, and Paul begins there because there's, there's something and we need to know this I think every single one of us needs to know this there's, there's something about our mortality that, that, that mocks our self-confidence that mocks our achievements that's quite a hard thing to, to hear but I think it's true because all those sort of slightly shallow things that give us self-confidence um, all, those, all those areas in life where we say I've, I've done alright actually um, because and then we sort of list our achievements well they don't count in the grave that's the thing a, a lot of those things you know they don't last beyond our death and sometimes you need to have been close to death to feel quite how scary that is you know, some of us won't have been anywhere near death some of us will have been quite close to death ourselves and it's frightening to think of all those life achievements just made very very small in the face of our mortality and we want to say to the Apostle Paul um, doesn't that bother you the fact that you're going to die um, this is what he says, verse 1 for we know that if the early earthly tent we live in is destroyed we have a building from God an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands and so Paul says no I, I know where I'm going you know this is just my tent existence this is sort of camping and I, I'm, I'm leaving behind my tent existence and this body, chapter 4 verse 16 we saw, which is outwardly wasting away and um, I realise, says Paul, that any money I might have collected uh, over the last couple of decades, any influence and power I, I, I might have had, is, it, it's on the way out, I know that but that doesn't bother me, because that, that was just my tent life and I'm moving on to a luxury apartment Uh, there was a famous time, I think it's almost exactly four years ago, October half term, uh, when Justin and I were camping in uh, St Agnes, which is a little bit of rock out in the Atlantic, basically. It's the last sort of bit of land before you get to New York. And um, we knew that there was a Force 9 gale coming. I think we sort of imagined it might skirt around us. Um, and we were sort of very optimistic on the way back from there. Uh, from the ferry terminal <coughs> on the island and our tent was shredded there was nothing left of it it was just torn to pieces um, were we stressed? well you are a little bit but the thing was <laughs> the thing was that the, the lady who owned the campsite had said to us um, so it's okay I've got, a, I've, I've got a really nice guest flat double glazed fully heated, nice bed um, can I say that? so it was okay 
you know, it was okay leaving our, our tent in the bin. That's what we did. We didn't even bother bringing it back with us. We just chucked it in the bin because we were given a, a clean, dry, warm apartment and we are going to move into it. Yeah? And, and we can think like that as Christians. It's incredible. Can you see how that can give you an amazing confidence? Some psychologists think that all of our fears really stem from a fear of death, and they might be right, mightn't they? But it's, it's a different way of thinking if you're a Christian. It, if it feels to us like this life is the real thing, and, 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 and what happens after death is shadowy and vague, then we need to think about it completely the other way around as Christians. You know, this is our tent life. And when we have new bodies, that is our solid, secure, real life. And it's still to come. Do you know what I'm saying? This is our spare life. That's our permanent life. What a way to live. No wonder then that Paul absolutely longs for it to happen. Now, because his tent life is full of opposition from other people, he's, he's full of the worries he has about all the other churches, maybe he's been let down by his health as well. I don't know who's if you know what it's like to be let down by your health. I think of two big ministry opportunities that I had. And I was admitted to hospital a few hours before each of them. It's so frustrating. Look at verses 2 to 4. We just groan, we just long for this next life. Verse 2, meanwhile we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. That's his new creation body. Because when we're clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we're in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Maybe you feel like that about camping. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. So that, here's the so that statement, what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He probably notices Paul sort of changes the picture halfway through. And he says that this life is a bit like being naked, it's like being vulnerable and, and, and uncomfortable. It's like we had to go swimming at school. Did they make you go swimming at school? I used to absolutely hate it. I was the skinny kid at the end, he was sort of shivering, you know, and um, just desperate to go and get into my warm fleece at the end of the lesson. I think I lacked natural buoyancy. I think that was the problem. Uh, something like that. I just I couldn't wait to just wrap up warm at the end. And and going through death and reaching the new creation is like it's like getting dressed. And and our mortality is sort of wrapped up in the certainty and the warmth of eternal life. Are you longing for that? And you know it does explain sometimes, doesn't it? Why we, why we have trouble trying to find comfort and security in this world. I don't know if you, if you feel that. Just struggling to find comfort and security in this creation. You can understand why, can't you? You know, people round about us are desperately trying to keep their bodies going. Uh, for another few years, they're trying to find the perfect home and, and the perfectly fulfilling relationship and the ideal shape to their, to their career. Are we... We don't have to invest too much in that. We're homesick for heaven. We're homesick for heaven. This is our shadowy life. This is our tent life. This is our practice life. This is our uncomfortable life. 
And then one day the new creation will wrap us up warm. And it's not wrong to long for that. It's not wrong. In fact, that's where real confidence is to be found. That's our only other point this afternoon. First of all, longing for our future life and then confident before the judgment seat of Christ. Confident. I know I'm no, um, I'm no social commentator, um, but I can't help noticing three things about our culture here in, in the West in the 21st century. First of all, it is becoming increasingly visual. Do you notice that? It's, now, it's all about the picture, it's all about the video. Uh, it's all about screens and Instagram and Zoom. You've got to be able to see it for it to be real. And then um, secondly, Oops, sorry, just missed my, lost my place. Secondly, so it's first it's visual. Secondly, it's all about the now, okay? It's got to be instant. It's got to be in the present. So Amazon Instant, you know, the groceries in 10 minutes, um, faster downloads. We want things to happen fast. Okay, the age of dial-up's finished. You've got to have an album like that. And then thirdly, and ironically, People are feeling more and more insecure. So, um, and particularly about the way they look, actually. And that's a product of a visual culture, isn't it? Uh, according to, to a Gallup poll, the Western world is getting more angry, stressed, and dissatisfied. And that's the culture we breathe every day. That's the, that's the water we swim in. That's the air that we breathe. That sort of culture. And so the battle for the Christian, and the battle is always in the mind, isn't it? The battleground is the mind. The battle for the Christian is to live by faith, not by sight. So you see, in in a visual world, to live by what you know. And in an instant world, to live by what you know is coming, but you haven't got yet. That's the battle. To live by faith, not by sight. What helps with that? Three things, briefly. Firstly, verse 5, knowing that you've got the Spirit. You've got the Holy Spirit. Verse 5 on page 1061, have a look down at that. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. The Spirit is, is there in every single Christian. He's there in every, at the moment that you became a Christian. You might not be aware of it, but the Spirit came to live in you. God living inside of you, you couldn't be closer to God than you are right now if you're a Christian. And it's like a, it's like a down payment, it's like a deposit on a flat, if you've ever been able to afford a flat. And it, and it guarantees that we'll receive what we were made for. You know, it's, it's, it's a new covenant thing, isn't it? Um, Paul's been saying in chapter 3, we've become part of this new covenant ministry and, and it's a sign that God started his work in us and so he's going to complete it in the new creation. It's going to happen. What helps? Now you have the Spirit. What helps? Verse 7, living by faith, not by sight. You know how people think of Christians? They think they're living in fairyland. Um, it's sort of wish, you know, projection of our wishes. Uh, it's sort of living a fancy world that isn't true. But actually, the life of faith is reasonable trust in good evidence. 
It's living by, by, by trusting in the God who keeps his promises. That's what it said in chapter 1. Do you remember all of God's promises are yes in Jesus? His promises are absolutely trustworthy. I mean, if you want to, you can live by the appearance of things, although the appearance of things is, is normally wrong. Or you can live by faith, trusting God and his words. Whatever let you down. That's the secret of confidence. It undermines all that insecurity that we experience day by day. It doesn't matter what parts of your body you like or you don't like. It doesn't matter what you look like in a selfie. You know, whether you're good at small talk or whether social situations make you die a little inside. You know, cocktail parties, your worst nightmare. Because you've decided what you prefer. And um, you're confident, verse 8, confident that you prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord safe with Jesus you know there's a whole world of spiritual reality out there that we can't yet see a whole world that the Bible describes to us but by faith we can let it determine our thinking what helps thirdly have a look at verse 10 knowing that we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And maybe you're thinking, um, that doesn't fill me with confidence at all, Jeremy. That's, that, that's my worst nightmare. I mean, Jesus knows everything I've ever done. It's true. But whose judgment seat is it? Verse 10. It's the judgment seat of Christ. And Jesus has... But what has he done? Jesus has made us alive. He's put us right with God. He's given us sight. And he's brought about change. Well, if you want the long words for those things, chapter 3 of 2, two Corinthians, regeneration, justification, illumination, transformation. Jesus has done those things. And so as we stand before the final judgment seat of Jesus Christ, it's not to determine our status... It's, it's to show the size of our reward. One of my friends described it like this. It's going to be like a family prize giving. You know, this isn't, this isn't salvation by works. This is about enjoying our reward. The reward that Jesus gives us entirely by grace. How do we respond to that? Well, we want to please him. We'll learn a lot more about that next week. Um, can you have a look at verse 11? Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try and persuade others. We'll, 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 we'll look to share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. Well, of course we can, because it's such incredible news. But for the time being, it will give us great confidence. That's the question this afternoon. Do we have that kind of confidence as we face the week ahead? Do you have that kind of confidence looking ahead to the next seven days? Do you know that? You know, as you go into the ward or the classroom or the office or the party, do you know the confidence of being close to Jesus? Of having that incredible future? And we feel like those confident people that we know are getting all the wins are going straight to the front. We need to put aside all those sources of self-confidence and find this one. But it is available. 
and it is real and it does last I mean maybe here this afternoon you're kind of thinking I don't really know that kind of confidence at all to be honest um, how can I find it um, let me just say it's not that far away it's just a prayer away but it is urgent that you do find it because um, this tent can be destroyed any time you know and um, if you haven't yet got that building that God has prepared then you'll have nowhere to go on the last day and that's a frightening prospect please don't leave tonight without asking how you can be made alive and put right and given spiritual sight and begin to change because all that's available to you don't leave before you understand how that can be yours on the other hand maybe you've sort of glimpsed that confidence and you, and, and you just want to know how to experience it more preference change you know away from the visual away from the present and how, how much of our life nowadays is spent basically getting the tent straight you know away from the present, away from the visual know that we're ultimately accountable to Jesus and if we're accountable to Jesus we're not accountable ultimately to anybody else isn't that liberating? we don't need to be distracted or discouraged or impressed by any of the self-confidence that we see on full display around about us every day you know, the memes have got one thing right confidence is one of the most beautiful things that you can possess if it's found in Jesus Christ because it says we're on our way home we're homesick for heaven and because of what God has done and because all of his promises yes in Jesus we're going to be there well I'm going to pray and then I'm going to hand back to you let's pray together Heavenly Father, thank you that despite all the distress, all the suffering, all the difficulty in ministry, all the cracks on the surface, that Paul can say that he's confident, not because of his track record necessarily, but because his ministry is a ministry of a, of, of a glorious promise in Jesus that anyone who comes to him can be made right with you and, and caused to change, caused to see and so I pray, Father, that we discover and strengthen that confidence that you want to give us. Confidence in the future. Confidence not in what we can see, but what we know is true. Please, Father, in our decisions this week, in our thinking, in our um, plans, and our relationships, can we live by faith and not by sight. And we ask these things in your name. Amen.